your mouth and give God your best praise. As Brother Phillips comes to deliver the word tonight. Come on one more time, lift your voice as loud as you can and magnify the name that's above every other name. Come on, somebody praise him. Praise him. Yeah. Woo. Like y'all glad to be at church or something on Friday night. You know, you, there's a lot of other places you could be, but you're in the house of God. That's reason enough to praise him right there. Come on, you, you couldn't even be saved right now if it was up left up to you. But God saved you and God kept you and God made a way and God opened the door. That's why we give him praise. Oh, don't push me, go sit down. Go sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. I ain't even looking at y'all, cause this all it takes is one false move. Somebody gonna lose their mind. We're gonna be another 25 minutes. Not looking at you. It's, it's too easy. We blow it up right here. We ain't getting it back. You push the big red button right now, you ain't gonna get it back. Well, John chapter 11. I told y'all I'm preaching. Y'all ain't gonna quit. I'm preaching. Hallelujah. Think you gonna push me? Well, I'll push you back. John chapter 11, while you're turning there, let me say what an honor and a privilege it is to be here tonight. I give high honor to the angel of this pulpit, Pastor and First Lady Williams, who are some of God's very best. And I love them so much. I appreciate them. I made the statement to more than one person, and, and I mean this, this atmosphere that you feel right now, is the result of someone that wants to have a youth conference that is for youth where there's no political play in there, there's none of that stuff. It's, it's about young people. Would you help me put your hands together and thank Bishop and First Lady Williams for setting that kind of atmosphere in this house tonight? Amen, amen. Give honor lovely wife, Lita, and my two children. I love them so much. Glad that they're here with me. Glad that they got to come to Fort Myers. And give honor, of course, to uh, the brethren that are preaching this conference. Pastor Miles Young, didn't we have a word from God last night? Man, far surpassing power. I'm looking forward to the ministry of my very dear friend, Pastor Stephen Collins. You do not want to miss tomorrow because we are going to go places. And he is going to just put an end to this in a way that only he can do. And I'm, 
I'm kind of getting used to being hanging around Brother Young and Brother Collins. They keep letting me preach conferences. Well, it ain't going to be long. They're going to think I'm a conference preacher just because I get to hang out with you guys. And uh, I, I really do. I love these wonderful men. I've got so many friends that are here uh, tonight, and I don't want to take too much time naming names. And so please forgive me tonight uh, if I just go right to the word of the Lord. And uh, I'll be honest with you. I've been doing this long enough to know to know when you you get a message if it's a conference message or not. Just this ain't a conference message, and uh, but this is what God laid on my heart. I want to deliver the word of the Lord as God gave it to me. John chapter eleven verse thirty-five, a very familiar text. You probably can quote it. It's the shortest scripture in your Bible. It simply says, "Jesus wept." Jesus wept. With that being said, I want to preach for the next few moments tonight with your help and the help of the Lord, a simple thought that God has laid upon my heart that I have entitled, When All I Have Is Oh. When All I Have Is Oh. Let's lift our hands together and ask the Lord to move in this place tonight. God, we love you. We thank you. We worship you. God, we give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor. There's nobody that can do the things that you can do. God, we pray right now that your spirit would move in this house in a mighty way. Let somebody leave here tonight speaking in other tongues as the spirit gives the utterance for the very first time. God, change us and challenge us by your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time? magnify Jesus and exalt his holy name. Oh, come on, somebody put your voice with your hand clap and praise him one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. I want to take just a brief moment tonight and remind you that we serve a mighty God. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He reigns over everything. He reigns from eternity to eternity. There's not a battle that he's ever lost. And there's not a battle that he ever will. No one can defeat him. No one can dethrone him. No one can compare to him. He said it in his word in Isaiah 43 and 11. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I just want to tell somebody on a Friday night that it is still a sure fact that there is nobody like our God. There's not a king that can compare to him. There's not a God made with man's hands that can compare to him. There's not a political figure that can compare to him. He is God and he is God all by himself. And he alone sits on the throne. And I'm glad tonight to know I know his name. It's been revealed to me. I've been baptized in his name. I pray in his name. I worship in his name. I'm glad to know the one God is Jesus. Hallelujah, 
man because there is no one beside him. There is a side of God that loves to be proved but despises being challenged. Scripture was mentioned tonight and last night. Bring the tithe into my house and I am going to, you will prove me. But I, I want to tell you tonight that Proving God and challenging God are two totally different things. Lucifer tried to challenge God and that got him thrown out of heaven. Eve tried to challenge God. It was my opinion she began to believe that she could be like a God. That's what the serpent told her. If you eat of this fruit, you will be like as unto a God. And so she eats the fruit. It was a challenge to God. And so they're kicked out of the garden. And Nimrod and the people challenged God. And God came down and he broke the unity that was between them. Korah challenged God and he was thrown from the earth into hell in itself. It's even in the New Testament. Ananias and Sapphira, they challenged God and God struck them dead. We serve a God that, that does not like to be challenged. But with that being said, there are places in Scripture that it would seem as if God was challenged, yet there were no repercussions. There are places that I, I believe it's safe to say that if anybody challenged God, it would be a man by the name of Jacob. That Jacob wrestled with the Lord until the breaking of the day. It would seem in this moment that God would somewhat break character and he would allow someone to challenge him. There are places in scripture that men talk to God in ways that I'm scared to talk to God. Like David, when he, he, he says a lot of stuff that makes me cringe, but one place in particular in Psalms chapter 35, he says, the hypocrites are sitting at their table and they're gnashing on me with their teeth and God, you keep looking the other way. I'm just telling you, I grew up listening to Pastor Timothy Copeland preaching. You didn't, you didn't cross God. God was holy. God was powerful. And, and I read texts like this and it makes me wonder what is it about God that, that I mean, this sounds like a challenge to me. God, are you not going to be God? God, are you not going to take care of me? God, are you not going to walk uh, uh, before me and make the crooked places straight? Abraham and Moses challenged God. Abraham gets the word from God that Sodom and Gomorrah is about to be destroyed. And Abraham challenged God when he said, Lord, I'm just dirt, but would you hear me for a moment? If there's 50 righteous, would you not kill this city? If he gets on down and he says, oh, let the Lord not be angry. And he says, if there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 20, even if there's 10, would you not kill this city? Would you not destroy it? and everything that's in. That sounds like a challenge to me. Exodus chapter 33, Moses is in somewhat of a turmoil and he goes to God about it. 
He's seen the staff turned into a serpent. He's seen God's people delivered from Egypt. He's seen the water of the Red Sea parted and then put together again on Pharaoh. He's seen water from the rock and he's seen bread out of heaven. Yet there is something in Moses' life that has left him wanting. He knows it was God, but Moses has a desire to see more of him and, and to see his past and to see his face and to look upon him and so he challenges God and he tries to force the hand of God into something that he is not quite yet ready to do and Moses asks God Lord would you show me your glory however uh, if you're not careful you'll just kind of go through this text and you'll blow past what's happening in the challenge They to get the full picture you have to go back to the Shema and you have to read it the way that the Jews would read it. This, this is a picture here that is given as Moses asked God to see his glory in the Shema. Deuteronomy 6 and 4, it is recorded. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is but there is a picture that we miss in our westernized world because we don't quite understand the Hebrew language and we don't understand the culture of that day. And, uh, and so with that understanding, we have to go back and look at what it was like to quote the Shema, to quote Deuteronomy 6 and 4, uh, history and theologians both agree that in this moment in the morning when you got up to quote the Shema, you were to open up your windows so that everyone could hear you. Thus the pretext, hear, O Israel. And it was not quiet. It was not something that you did and nobody knew about. But when you quoted this scripture, it came from the very uh, heart of your being. It was here, O Israel, uh, the Lord our God is uh, one. And we see that same uh, punctuation that is used here in the text as Moses uh, goes to God and in the, uh, the English scripture, Moses says, I beseech thee, God. But that in the original translation, uh, the, the phrase, I beseech thee, uh, it was the Hebrew term, nah, it was one word. And, and Pastor Young, it could be translated as one word in our English language that's used many times throughout Scripture. And it is simply the word, oh. But here it is written with the same explanation, explanation point that the hero Israel is written with. It is written with an ex, it's written with this excitement. It's written with somebody that from their heart, they're ready to see the Lord. And there in Moses is standing. He wants to see the glory of God. And before the Lord, it comes out of his spirit, a guttural scream. Oh, show me your glory. He's seen the miracles. He's seen the signs. He's seen the wonders. But in an interjection as God is speaking, Moses interrupts, Oh, show me your glory. 
there was a place in Moses' life that he had got to to where words didn't work anymore. It was a place in Moses' life where he had prayed all he knew to pray and yet the words would not come to the brister. And so there was something in his spirit that said, I don't have the words to say here. I don't know what to do to get God's attention. But what I know to do is just to lift up my voice. He issues a demand to God that doesn't like to a God that does not like to be challenged. And I believe what kept God from throwing Moses off the rock uh, was simply his approach with his demand uh, and it was preceded uh, with an Old Testament type of travail that came out of him uh, that said I've got to get past the pretty church uh, and i got to get past what my pastor thinks uh, about my new suit uh, and my new tie. i got to get past uh, what the pretty girl I'm talking to across the conference thinks about me. Uh, there was a guttural cry uh, that came out of Moses uh, that the, the theologians uh, couldn't put it into words uh, but it was there all along it's the same prayer you pray God I don't know what to say but oh God help me uh, I don't know what to do but oh God uh, give me direction listen I've been doing this long enough we could have pushed the big red button and pushed this thing over the edge tonight and we could have shouted and danced. But I'm telling you, you got to get past the point of where all you know how to do is shout and all you know how to do is dance. And you got to get an O in your spirit that comes out when there's nobody else there. It's just you and the Lord. You're in a prayer closet all by yourself and you can't put it into words, but it just comes out. Oh, oh God, send us revival. Oh, God, change my family. Oh, God, deliver me from addiction. Oh, God, save my mind. God, purify me, oh, Lord. <laughs> I just tell you tonight that your approach matters to God. You can't just come to God any old way. That's why we got people shouting on Friday night. And before this, before the clock strikes midnight, you're already fornicating behind the building somewhere because you haven't learned how to get past all this pretty Pentecostalism. Well, I'm comfortable where I'm at tonight. I've been preaching revival here for the last two weeks. And so I know without a shadow of a doubt, nothing's going to be taken out of context by Pastor Williams. So I'm just going to preach this how God put it in my spirit. We've got young people that are going to hell sitting on the church pew because they have lost out in learning how to approach the Lord. You think you can just walk into God's holy place any old way. But baby, let me tell you, it matters how you come to God we need an old-fashioned revival I know it's old school, but we need young people that'll learn how to play the pray the tabernacle plan. And they'll start at the brazen altar, the place where they're sacrificed. We need an old-fashioned revival of young people that learn how to repent. As Paul said, I die daily. We need an old-fashioned revival of young people that learn when you come into the house of God, you need to put your phone down and you need to take the bubble gum out your mouth. And you need 
I'm preaching like a redneck, I know, but you need to take your hat off and you need to come holy. He's holy. He's holy. He's holy. He's holy. I I don't want to upset God. I want God to know I'm in this for real. I want God to know I want to be bring the right approach. It's a lost start in Pentecost that we know how to repent. Well, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I know you are. I know you look good. And I, I, I know you're dressed up. And you got it all together. You know all the right stuff to do. But God, would you give us a fresh anointing of repentance in this generation that realizes we can't get to the Holy of Holies unless we stop at the brazen altar first, God. Give us a revival of young people that learn that I can't get into the holy place until I go through the labor of water, the place where you reflect, the place where you're purified. Oh, wash me, God. Oh, make me clean, God. I'm I'm lost and I'm undone. God, help this generation to get a hold of what it really means to approach the throne. Say, preacher, my Bible says that I can approach the throne boldly. Yeah, I know it does, but you back up and it says, now therefore. That word therefore means now because of this reason. What reason? We have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but he was tempted in every way that we were tempted and yet was without sin. He said, if you're gonna come into the holy places, you can't walk up in there boldly if you don't come through the blood of Jesus. You you can't walk into the throne Rolly, if you don't learn how to get down on your knees and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. Come on, I'm preaching to a young man right now. You've already got plans to meet a young lady tonight. I'm telling you, you gotta find a place in this altar and get your old back. You gotta find a place in this altar and let a spirit of travail come out of you. Oh, God, save me oh God change me you can't get to the holy of holies unless you go through the lampstand is this alright Pastor William I know, I know this is old school I, I know this is what you taught when, when, when you went to day sessions at, at camp meeting and it was the same old stuff and you go through it but I'm telling you right now there's still power in them old weapons That's, that lampstand is representative of the spirit of the Lord and if you're going to approach the Lord you can't do it in your flesh he said they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth I'm going to tell you I'm going to make somebody mad right here but I don't care how much you dance your dance don't mean anything to God if you're doing it in your flesh I don't care how much you shout your shout don't mean two red cent to God if you're doing it in your carnality and you're only doing it to make people look at your fancy footwork baby you gotta get back to the right approach you gotta get to the place where you're coming to God Lord I want
want to do it in the spirit. When I pray, let me pray in the spirit. When I worship, let me worship in the spirit. When I outreach, let me outreach in the spirit. When I sing, I want to sing in the spirit. I want to go through the proper way to approach the throne. It matters that you go to the table of showbread and you digest the word of God. We're not careful. We'll become a generation that is weak and anemic because the only time we open up our Bible to read is when we come in and the preacher says, open your Bibles to John chapter 11. If we're not careful... Well, but I, I'm going to tell you, now listen, I'm, God, can I just preach tonight? I know, I know Holy Ghost Radio is listening. I know this is online, but I'm just going to tell you something. When I go home, my wife will tell you this. I try to make it a practice to get out this book. I want my children to see me reading this book. Because I'm going to tell you, I, listen, I know I got the apps on my phone just like you do. I've got the Read the Bible in a Year program just like you do. But all it takes is one text message. All it takes is one Instagram notification. All it takes is one message on Facebook. And the next thing you know, your hour you were supposed to be reading the Word of God, you spin it going down a rabbit hole of carnality. But there is nothing that will ever take the place of the table of showbread on our way into the Holy of Holies. It matters. It matters. It matters. It matters that you go to the altar of incense and you light it with a coal. You, 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 you can't bring your little lighter in there and light that. That's, that's got to come from a coal that was on the altar of sacrifice. It matters that you know that's a type of worship. It matters that you know that worship has to come through the funnel of sacrifice. And I'm here to worship the Lord and spirit and in truth that I said a moment ago. But I didn't just skip this at church. I got this because I learned how to sacrifice. I didn't just skip this because I bought a new suit. I learned this in the time of sacrifice. Can I tell you something tonight? That if you're going to get into the throne room of God, it's going to come on the heels of a point in time in your life where God doesn't just let you walk in and start talking in tongues. Listen, don't misinterpret what I'm saying right now. I believe that apostolic people are called to be tongue talkers. And you can speak in tongues anywhere you go. And I believe that you can pray in the Holy Ghost in your car. And I believe you can pray in the Holy Ghost in your home. I believe you can even pray in the Holy Ghost at your school. But I'm telling you, if you're going to get into the holy place, it's going to come on the heels of a time when you came to church and you couldn't just start talking in tongues. And you went to pray and you didn't feel one goosebump. It's in those times that you gotta challenge God, but you gotta do it from the right approach. 
God, I can't feel you, but I'm making sure I'm aligning myself with the holy place. I, I, I can't hear you speaking, but I, I want you to know that I'm in this for real. And if I don't feel any goosebumps, I'm still going to stay here. If I don't feel anybody come in and lay their hand on me and try to help me pray through, I'm going to get something. In, I'm going to get a oh in my spirit that begins to bubble up out of me. You might have to linger an hour. You might have to linger five hours, but baby, you stay there until all you have is an oh. I can take you to the place I was standing. My wife and I needed an answer from God. And we went into the church. We made a decision, Pastor Young, that we weren't going to leave that altar until we heard from God. So I'm telling you, this is a lost start in Pentecost. And I'm, I'm a young man, but I'm reaching for them old paths where it is the good way. But it's becoming a lost art in Pentecost that we've just learned, Brother Brewster, how to linger in the presence of the Lord. We're so caught, so caught up. Listen, I'm a musician. These guys know. I start making stank faces every time JJ hits some kind of crazy chord. That guitar player can get, boy, I'm, I, I'm a musician. I love that kind of stuff. But you don't find this in the click track. I needed an answer from God. My ministry, quite literally, the fact that you're standing here tonight listening to me preach was pending on one prayer meeting. And I went an hour and didn't feel anything. And I went two hours and didn't feel anything. And three hours and four hours. And by hour five, I'm praying for fish and dogs and trees and everything under the sun. Because I done prayed everything I know to pray. But there was some moment after four or five hours that being in the prayer room. And I done run out of words. I didn't know what else to pray, but it is spiritually instinctual. You listen to these elders pray and you'll hear it come out of them. I'm telling you, it's an instinct that God puts inside of you and somewhere after not feeling any goosebumps, somewhere without an organ, somewhere without the beat of a drum, a spiritual instinct begin to come out of my wife and I. Oh, oh, I'm telling you, you may not understand what I'm preaching about right now. That's because you haven't found yourself in the place where all you have is oh, and you gotta get to that place in your walk with God, and you gotta stay there until it's all that can come out of your spirit. Some of us, young men haven't gotten to the place where all we have is oh because we're too worried about breaking character of I've got it all together some of us young men ladies you ain't getting out of this I'm coming to you next some of us young men haven't found that place where all we have for the Collins is oh because we're so worried about what our peers think about our ministry rather than what God thinks about our ministry. We're so worried about how many Instagram likes we get on the posts that got posted by the local church that let you preach. 
and we have replaced popularity. We've replaced our O with popularity. We've replaced our O with going from meeting to meeting to meeting. And I tell you something tonight. We wouldn't have to pray you through at every apostolic young person's conference if you learn how to get to that place where all you got is hope. We wouldn't have to drag you out of the pew half backslid uh, every time you show up to impact. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You were here last year and on Friday night or Saturday afternoon, you waited to the last moment to pray through uh, because you were still wondering about what you could get into and what kind of carnality you could fill yourself with. Let me tell you something. We wouldn't have to do that every year if you just learned how to get up under the altar and pray until you you don't have any words, but oh. <laughs> we got young ladies that are scared to pray that prayer. Because you're scared if you start praying too hard, your mascara is going to start running. You're so scared that if you start praying that hard, all the makeup that you put on to walk into the church to look like you got it all together is going to start smearing. You're so scared that if you really get to that place where all you have is old, you won't have the option to get on the cheer squad at high school. As I told you, I know this ain't no, no conference message, but I'm telling you what the Holy Ghost told me to tell you. So worried, well, what if that boy that sees me praying in the altar like that don't like me no more? Let me tell you something, brother. Let me tell you something, sister. If you don't find them in an altar with nothing but an O in their mouth, you don't need them no way. If, if you're going to marry them, you better marry them from around the altar where you know what their prayer language sounds like. If you're going to tie yourself into a lifelong commitment, let it be to somebody that when the lights are off and the preacher's called and the click track's off, they're at the church and they're praying, Oh, God, give me a husband that loves you. Oh, God, give me a wife that'll walk holy before for you. you you gotta learn how to pray till there's nothing but an hope Moses again it's translated you go look it up tonight to find out I'm telling you the truth he gets to this point I know again, it's in the English, I beseech thee. That word beseech thee means beg. I beg thee. But in the original text of the Collins, that wasn't what it was. It wasn't a word that can be translated. It wasn't a feeling that you could put your finger on. It wasn't a place that you could go to and you could say, well, if I just go through the motions, let me just tell you something. Pentecost needs to get back to a place where we run out of one-liners. We run out of shout bumps. And I know I'm hitting that hard. 
And again, Pastor Williams, we, we cool, we buddies. He knows my spirit. This church can shout like nobody else can shout. But I'm telling you, they know how to pray too. They know how to get in the altar too. So again, I know where I'm at tonight and I know what I'm preaching. So please, I'm not going to qualify anything else for the rest of this service. But, but there was something inside of Moses. It was a groaning that could not be discerned. God, take Pentecost back to the place where we silence the noise and all we have is oh God take Pentecost back to the place where we travail before we even get in the church building God take Pentecost take this generation to a place of prayer where, where we don't we don't even know what time it is we get lost in the spirit and all we have is oh God, my prayer right now is that you would deliver this generation from being a generation that talks too much. God, help us on our way home tonight to turn off XM radio, to turn off our phone. Turn off your phone, but you know what I mean. Tell your friend you can't talk for that three-hour drive. And let something begin to come out of you. God, anoint this generation and change us and make us what you want us to be through our weeping, through our groaning, and through our travail. two or three times throughout this service tonight. I'm not done, but I feel like we need to park right here for a moment and somebody needs to let something you've never felt before begin to be birthed inside of you. Come on, come on. You need to let that oh be put inside of you right now. You need to let that travail be put inside. Again, I'm not done. We're not moving, but we're not moving until I feel a release in the Holy Ghost. There, there needs to be an old grandmom or grandpa that's here right now that needs to show this generation what it sounds like when you pray and all you have is oh.
I'm going to tell you why this is important right now. I'm going to tell you why this is important because I got kids that are here that need to hear this generation learning how to pray with nothing but an all. Brother Brister, I'm here praying this because I heard people like your grandmama and your grandpapa pray when they didn't have anything else to say. I'm, I'm, I'm here because I heard Bishop and Nanny Pastor Young pray when they didn't have anything else to say. Come on, I'm, I'm preaching to this generation. If there's going to be another Jacob Phillips to stand in a pulpit and preach about travail, in 30 years, it's going to be because you let my babies hear what it sounds like to be 18 years old and pray when all you have is oh. <laughs> what does this have to do with Jesus wept. What does this have to do when, with what God that was made flesh came? And the shortest scripture in your Bible is recorded as it simply says, Jesus wept. It has everything to do with it because Jesus only weeps two times recorded by these New Testament Gospels, and I don't have time to preach about it from the angle of Hebrews. I know some of you think I'm quenching the spirit. I'm not. There's levels to this tonight. There's levels to this. And Jesus, in Luke chapter, I believe it's chapter 19, Luke records that Jesus is weeping as he enters into Jerusalem. And the word used for weep here is the word kleio, and it means to wail. He comes into Jerusalem and he's wailing. It's words that cannot be put into translation, but it's, it's moaning and it's groaning as he looks at a city that has missed their moment with him. He's wailing and he's groaning because they missed him as the Messiah. He's wailing and he's groaning. And this is history repeating itself. It's the scene of Abraham as he goes before God. And Abraham's getting ready to issue the challenge. And it's in your Bible. You go read it, Brother Archer. He said, oh, that the Lord wouldn't be angry. He didn't walk in there with an attitude. He walked in there with an O in his mouth. This is the same picture of Jesus weeping over a city. Oh God, would you help us that we would stop trying to win cities that we haven't wept over. God, would you help us to realize that our revival is coming when we stop trying to win and we start trying to weep over them. God, help us in Fort Myers that there would be a weeper that would arise and would go home to their city and would begin to weep and wail over their city like Abraham wept over Sodom and like Jesus wept over Jerusalem. God, let there be somebody that'll travail over their city and I'm a 
Preacher, you don't understand. Abraham wept and Sodom was still destroyed. But baby, don't you ever forget one. Abraham didn't have the blood of the sodomites dripping off his hands. And two, there was a man named Lot and his daughters that escaped. Say, preacher, well, what about the perversion that they carried away from the, with them uh, from Lot? You let God handle that. Uh, you, you, you stay out. That ain't none of your business anyway. Uh, let me just tell you something. Every moment that you weep over them uh, and you get them out of Sodom, uh, that's a moment that they have to turn around uh, and repent. Every time uh, that Abraham went before the Lord, uh, it was one more chance for somebody to come out of the clutches of addiction and pray through at the altar. Every time Abraham went back and said, oh, Lord, that you wouldn't be angry. Would you take it down to 20? Would you take it down to 10? It was giving somebody else an opportunity to be saved. You're going to do travail the right way. It hurts. It's taxing on your body. But how do you know that there's not a backslider sitting in a bar room right now that God's getting ready to wipe them off the face of the earth? And like Abraham wept for Sodom and like Jesus wept for Jerusalem, you step in between God like Moses stepped in between God and the people. They're, they're, they're drunk out of their mind right now. But while you're wailing, while you're praying, there's a spirit of intercession that's stepping in between them and God. And God says, I will have mercy upon who I will have mercy upon. And I will have grace unto who I will have grace. That's all happening in the text where Moses lets up his voice and shouts out. Why would Jesus travail over a city that's crumbling because as it crumbled in the natural, it was being built in the spiritual, Brother Young. Jesus prophesies in this moment that the city's gonna be torn down. It's gonna be leveled flat. Why would he travail over a city that's already doomed? Because he was God made flesh. And he knew the end from the beginning. And he knew why natural Jerusalem was crumbling into heaps. That one day John was going to open up his eyes in Revelation chapter 21. And he was going to say, and there was a new city, new Jerusalem, and it was coming down. You can say what you want to say, but I believe that that new city, its construction began in the moment that Jesus began to weep and began to wail over a crumbling society, over a crumbling city of Jerusalem. The moment that Jesus began to weep, the new construction began because travail does things that you can't see with your natural eye. Travail does things that you can't put into words. Travail goes into places that you can't reach when all you have is hope. Jesus wept. <laughs> he wept 
standing at the grave of Lazarus. He wept. And you read your Bible. It's one verse previous. Brother Bristol, the Bible says, and his spirit groaned. We don't get the whole picture, but we get a little bit of it. He's weeping. And the word here used for weeping just means that he was crying silently. But pre, the verse before it, the prefix says that his spirit was groaning. Jesus looks at their weeping and his spirit groans because there was seemingly situations that were impossible and they didn't believe that he could do it. And Jesus wept <laughs> and he groaned they take him to the tomb just like Moses was taken to the cleft of the rock. There's groaning just like Moses was groaning. And in Moses' case, he is put into the cave and he is shown the glory of God by his hinder parts. He sees creation. He sees he sees Adam and Eve and he sees Noah and the flood and he sees Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and he sees Rachel and the dysfunction in the family of Leah and Rachel and in this moment of growing, groaning when all Moses can say is oh, he sees quite literally things that were dead come to life again and this is how he gets the revelation to write in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth Moses in a moment of travail reached into the past and brought things to life again and Jesus in a spirit of intercession walks up to a grave of Lazarus and reaches into the past of things that were once alive and are now dead and he shouts Lazarus come forth baby let me tell you that didn't happen because he had power in his shout he had power in his own. You want to see the miracle that Jesus said? You got to travail the way he travailed to the point he's in the garden and he's praying. And he's under so much stress in travail that he to the point to where his blood comes or his sweat comes down like blood. He prayed so hard that, that the glands, his sweat glands, the blood vessels in his sweat glands burst and he sweat like blood. Can I tell you? And I'm just going to preach to you the way I understand it works. I'm just going to preach to you the way my elders preach to me. I believe in this walking and praying stuff. I do it every day. I believe in walking around the church and praying like you're walking around Jericho but when the spirit of travail comes down on you it's not going to be able to catch you if you're walking 10 miles an hour laughing at the latest joke it's going to happen because you crawled up under the pew and you got a bow in your mouth 
this is something I don't understand completely. So you'll have to give me some forgiveness if I get this wrong. But Brother Archer, every time I've ever been in a spirit of travail, it comes down and you pray hard and it lifts. You'll pray for a few more moments and if you'll linger, it'll come back down and you'll pray hard again and it'll lift. Anybody else ever experienced that? Pastor Williams, you ever been through that? It'll come back down. And I think the danger of where we are right now in Pentecost for this generation, again, I know this ain't a conference message. This is what God told me to preach, though. The danger is, is we experience the travail for the first time. And we think that the moment that it lifts, that I'm freed from the spirit of travail right now and I'm free to go my merry little way. That's why a while ago I told you there's levels to this. And every time that spirit of travail comes down on you, the next time it's going to come down and it's going to take you deeper. And it's going to lift and give your body a little bit of a break. And it's going to come down and it's going to take you deeper. God, let me say it again. God, give us an old-fashioned revival of two and three-hour prayer meetings where we get lost in the spirit of travail and let the old come out of us. He wept for so many different reasons. But one thing we can't get around is that he wept. There were writers that at some point in time tried to take that scripture out of the Bible because they said, how could somebody as perfect as Jesus weep? But I thank God that they put it back in there to show an apostolic church. They didn't let them taint it. They didn't let them take it out to show an apostolic church that it don't matter how up on the mountaintop you are. He was God made flesh and in order to get some stuff done he understood he just couldn't walk up and call Lazarus out of the grave. That wasn't the right approach. If he was going to bring some things to life, it had to go through the proper process of travail and intercession when all he could say was oh. wait on the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost. Let's wait on the Lord. Listen to me. I want you to hear me right now. I don't want you to act goofy, but I want you to be sensitive to the Spirit because what happens right now is some of us will try to start acting goofy and start trying to do some stuff that we ain't qualified to do. Let me tell you something. If you're not qualified, don't do it. But I feel like right now we just need to wait on the Lord because God's doing something and God's putting something inside of these young people that they're going to leave here and take home to their city. Come on, I want you to lift your voice right now and just wait on the Lord. Come on, you might not have the words to say, but I want you to pray. Come on, I want you to pray and just wait on the Lord. <laughs> well, I hope this is all right. 
Parker, would you and your wife come up here and get on this front pew and just pray with these young people? God, I'm, I, I, I know you, you, you from way back in the day. I, I need some of these elders with white hair. I, I'm, I'm asking you tonight to help me to get up from where you are. Young people, get off the front pews and let these elders come up here and sit down and pray a little while. Come on, there, let, God, let there be a spirit. Let there be a spirit of generational transfer. Come down and impact in 2020. And let it flow through this house. Let it flow through this house. Woo! <laughs> Come on, young people. Remember what I told you a while ago? You're fixing to go deeper than we did about 15, 20 minutes ago. Come on, there's a spirit of intercession that's here. And just because we preached a moment doesn't mean it left. Just because we took a moment to give explanation doesn't mean that the spirit of intercession left. It might have lifted a little bit. But if you'll get back in the right posture, if you'll get back in alignment with the holy place, if you'll align yourself with the holy things of God, it'll come back down on you. And it's going to take you deeper than you've ever been. I'm telling you, in the Holy Ghost, there's a young man here. You can get deliverance right now from that pornography addiction. If you can figure out how to flow in what's happening in this spirit. Come on, young lady. You don't have to keep sending illicit pictures to that young man. You can get deliverance from your low self-esteem right now. If you can figure out how to get in the spirit of what's happening in this house right now. Come on, this is going to be an impact you're going to remember. It's going to be an impact that's going to change your world if you'll plug into what's happening right now. Woo! Come on, that's it, Sister Parker. Just pray in the Holy Ghost the way I know you know how to do. Woo! Come on, we're not near about where we're going tonight. We still got a ways to go. I know it's getting late, but I need somebody, if you really want to be changed, to plug in to what the Holy Ghost is doing and stop looking around at your neighbor and stop worrying about what they're thinking about you and let an oh get in your spirit.
I don't know what to pray. That's all right, honey. Let the Spirit make the intercession for itself with moanings and groanings that cannot be discerned. Come on, you might be praying a hundred soul revival into your youth group right now. You might be praying a million dollar blessing into your church's finances uh, so you can afford the new building right now. I don't know what you're praying in the Holy Ghost. Uh, I don't know what you're pressing through. Uh, but I'm here to tell a young person uh, that the devil's been lying to you when he told you uh, there was no power in your prayer. Uh, there is power when young people uh, get an O in their mouth. Come on, do you feel that? Do you feel that depth that's in this house? Some of you are praying in a way you've never prayed before. Come on, keep pressing. Keep pressing. Keep pressing. Come on, young person, in order to get where God wants you to go, you got to lose control of your emotions. And that's scary for some of us because you've grown up in emotional, unstable environments. But if you're going to get the healing that you need, it's not going to be coming through. God, I need you to heal me because my daddy left me. I need you to heal me because my mama abandoned me. If you're going to get the healing that you need, it's going to become because you learn how to give that in your spirit and pray to you to don't know what you're praying. Come on, your mental disorder can be healed right now. Your anxiety can be driven out right now. Your depression can be driven out right now. You don't have to stay on pills for the rest of your life to be able to smile and sleep at night. You can be healed in the moment that God is moving upon you while you're travailing.
Come on, I feel a challenge in the Holy Ghost. If you're under 30 years old and you're in this house and you're not as close to this front as you can be, I'm challenging you right now in the Holy Ghost to get off of the back pew, get, get away from where you're sitting with your friends and cutting up and get up here as close as you can to what the Holy Ghost is doing because I'm telling you there's going to be a generation that walks out of impact that has power when they speak to Lazarus because they learned how to get an O in their spirit on a Friday night. Come on, I'm challenging you. Get out of the place of comfort that you're in and get up around this front and pray till you're praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on, we got room. You might have to bump into somebody you don't know. You might have to sit next to somebody uh, and wrap your arm around somebody you didn't come with. Uh, but I'm telling you, there's a Holy Ghost power that's working in this house right now. And you better believe, honey, you want it to work in you. You want it to work in your church. You want it to work in your family. Come on, that's it, that's it, that's it. Come on, the sides of the church. Come on, come down out of that middle aisle and get as close to this altar as you can. There's an old-time Pentecost spirit of travail that's being imparted into this house. And it's going to go home with somebody that wants it. Come on, that's it. Go, 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 go. I want you to lift your voice like you ain't lifted it all night right now. Come on, let that spirit of travail come out of you like it hasn't done all night right now. Come on. Go, young person. Go, young man. Go, young lady. Go. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Oh, God. Save our cities. Oh, God. Save our families. Oh, God. Deliver our youth group from carnality. Come on, now you're doing it on your own. Come on, I see some of you praying that ain't prayed all service, but now you're praying without your youth group. Come on, now you're praying without your youth director laying hands on you. Come on, flowing that, flowing that, flowing that. The Spirit maketh intercession for itself.
phone. That's it. We're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. But I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost, some of you are putting under your feet right now some things you've been struggling with for years in the spirit of travail. Come on, some of you are overcoming some stuff right now, some insecurities that you've been dealing with for years, and it's happening right now while you're travailing. Come on, don't stop. Don't stop, impact. Come on, don't stop. Don't stop. You're coming out of some stuff right now. You're overcoming right now. I just feel like telling a young person, you're coming out of that bitterness you got towards your pastor right now while you're travailing in the Holy Ghost. There's some stuff that happened. You, you, you acted out, and he corrected you, and you've been bitter at him. I, I know where you're at. I can lay my hand on your head tonight, but I'm going to tell you in the Holy Ghost, God's bringing you out of that bitterness right now. <laughs> Come on, one more time. I want you to live. We're going to go to the next dimension. I want you to lift your voice one more time. As loud as you can in travail. Come on, let that O come out of you one more time. As loud as you can. Come on, that's an O of travail one more time. Ta ba 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 ko ta ra 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 ba sha. He a da ra ra ba ho sha na ra ba ho ta ya ra ba ha. 
Psalms chapter 34, David has been delivered from Abimelech. He has left Gath. They drove him away and he has departed. That's where some of us are right now. We're leaving the things that had us in captivity with an O in our mouth. But there's another O that the Bible uses. And that's in Psalms 34 when David has been delivered. And he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. And it's written with the same punctuation. Verse 3, David comes with a revelation that sometimes you can't put it into words. And he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I want you to lift up your voice. The voice of the delivered. The voice that has travailed your way out of captivity. And let it be an O that says magnify the Lord with me. Exalt his name. Somebody needs to plug in. Magnify him. 